Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Get it on. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, May 6, 2020. This is episode 109109. I hope everybody's doing well out there, staying safe and staying inside. I am really, really pumped about this episode, guys. You're going to tell pretty much right away that me and this guest had a great connection, and it was so fun to connect with someone who's also behind the scenes in the music industry. His name is Evan Price, and he is the head of Artist Collective. Artist Collective is a consulting company for musical artists to help develop their brands. And this guy is so smart. It was such a powerful conversation and it was great to connect with someone who really is always raising the bar for himself. And he's built this pretty much all on his own and now has a great team with him too. We connected on so many different things here, guys, manager to manager, and talked about branding, being unique in the saturated marketplace, how to hold a social media presence, and so much more. This is someone who believes in the core values and fundamentals of being an artist, finding those super fans to really support you. Now, like I said, guys, he is more of a behind the scenes guy, but I'm telling you, these are some of the most important people in the music industry because they are the ones who are help pushing artists forward, opening up their minds to actually believing in themselves and thinking about what it's gonna take to be successful over a long period of time. Evan is extremely driven and I had such a blast getting to know him. There is a wealth of knowledge in this interview, guys, for any individual artist that's thinking about questions like, do I need a manager? How do I grow my brand? How do I get Spotify followers? Do I need Spotify plays? Really, really interesting stuff, guys. I learned so much and I know you're going to as well. So without further ado, let's get into it right now. This is episode 109 with Evan Price. That's awesome, man. How are you? Pretty good. I'm trying to figure out Skype. Man, I haven't used Skype since like, you know, you know, the step up from AIM chat <laughs> with Skype. Dude, you're, you're honestly, you're not the first person to say that, that I've interviewed through Skype over the past two months because even me included, man, I was like, oh, right, Skype. I feel like every time I someone wanted to Skype, I had to create a new Skype because I couldn't remember my password or something. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, I like the platform for sure. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, the platform's great. I mean, we're here. We're uh, we're overcoming an obstacle, which is the coronavirus. But hey, I wish we could have done it in person, man. But I do appreciate you taking some time. No problem. Yeah, this is kind of the norm now. It's, it's like Zoom and video chats are just the the total normal. So no problem at all. I know. I I am not a, the biggest fan. I'm I'm willing to do what I have to, but man, I miss the people, dude. Like miss doing interviews in person, hanging out before and after. You know, just that that genuine connection but i'm still really excited to talk to you today man i'm uh i've been following you actually really uh since flynn had mentioned artist collective before so it's it's been a while i've got a lot of good questions for you though yeah great yeah um yeah i think i first got word of your stuff through uh, cafe discos because i've worked with them for a while um so I, I listened to that interview it was a cool interview dude have you seen pat's corgi puppy I haven't seen him in person. I haven't. Me neither. Well, yeah, I did see him though. What, what's his name? Uh, 
Spyro. Yes. Play, old oh. school PlayStation. <laughs> yes. Yes. Were you a PlayStation guy? Um, yeah, I was. Um, yeah. Until I guess until Xbox came out. And then I was all Xbox One because I loved Halo. That was like my... That was my shit. <laughs> my guy. I just... Me and my roommate are huge Halo guys. We play Halo 3 online still all the time. It's the Halo 3 online is actually like the cream of the crop. Yeah, it's like, good. Because Halo 2 is when it started and it wasn't so good. But then Halo 3, they, they got it together. Halo 4 wasn't terrible, but... No. Well, we, we went back and played the campaigns on Legendary and... Yeah, forgot about that, right? Halo Three, the flood, the flood where you're inside the beats. That is a hard mission, man. Wow. Yeah, taking you back. Yeah, it is. I have all of them too. I just have to plug in my Xbox. Yeah, I hear you. I was a PlayStation guy, and then I migrated to GameCube, and then I ended up at Xbox, and I'm happy where I fell. Absolutely. How you been keeping busy though, man? Honestly, Honestly. man. Busier than ever. Same. <laughs> um, I agree. <laughs> as soon as this hit, I kind of jumped into you know entrepreneur mode. As I, me and the, the the artist that I manage full time, Austin Fillmore, was supposed yeah. to go to uh, South by Southwest. Oh my! God. It was my first time there. He was performing. Like I had a bunch of meetings lined up. Like oh. I was really really stoked. <laughs> and then once that dropped, you know, for one, I was devastated just because yeah. of the opportunities lost but then i was like yo i look at it this way for one it's not going to stop here they're going to close other stuff yeah. and two there's going to be a bunch of people that want that information that south by southwest has to offer whether it be in tech or music or movies or whatever um so i kind of like tried to act quickly and create this seven day panel for specifically the music industry just about how it's going to impact um, the, the entertainment industry and how it is right now. Um, and I was right. I started to schedule that out and things, you know, my, um, uh, all basically all businesses were, were, uh, on lockdown. So it kind of <laughs> yeah. worked out, but I like, I got like 15 poly was one of the, um, panelists that I got, but it was just like a virtual panelist setting and it kind of took off. So that definitely like took a lot of my focus, just putting all of my eggs into that basket for the, that first week or two. Awesome. What's it called? It's called Entertainment Lockdown. So uh, the the uh, podcast that we do is Music Industry Chats. Mm -hmm. So it's similar like what you got going on, very strict to the music industry. Um the business side of, of things um, primarily. Um, but this was called Music Industry Chats Entertainment Lockdown Edition, where we did it seven days in a row. So every every day at noon, it was basically that first week that it was locked down. Mm -hmm. um, it was every day at noon, and it was great. I had like three to five different panelists on board, and we just had a conversation. You know, I kind of led them in a certain direction, but it you know a lot of people tuned in, so it was fun. Good work, man. It's not easy to host a panel in the first place, let alone remotely. So props to you. Yeah, bro. That was my first one doing more than one. Like these one-on-ones, like it's I, I'm I feel pretty confident in, but that was my first one to be like, man, I have to manage like five people. I have to make <laughs> sure that they're all like being, I guess that they all have the the right attention on them. I, I'm I'm directing things, so it was a challenge, but you know it was a growth opportunity. So I had fun. Awesome. Hey, man. I think we can both agree when you go outside your comfort zone is when. Some of the best stuff happens and you realize you can do things that you didn't think you could. Absolutely. That's awesome, dude. Very cool. I didn't know you were uh, doing the panels. Props to you for, you know, making the most of this time. I'm sure, you know, you've heard both sides of the coin. I was talking to one of my friends who's a photographer and you hear people saying, 
oh, if you don't come out of this, you know, with a new hobby or a pastime or, you know, like a big accomplishment, then what did you use your time for? And then the other side is, well, you know, maybe I'm dealing with this in my own way, whether it be, you know, a, a financial obstacle or a creative obstacle. What's your opinion on how people are kind of taking both sides of it? Um, I mean, I could definitely, I'm always devil's advocate, trying to look at both sides of the coin. Um, I think that, you know, I'm kind of leaning more towards use this time, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you have to do something. Like, even if there's a creative block, great. Like, focus on, like, at least read a bunch of books or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's no excuse for, you know, not, there's plenty of, like, online tutorials for free on the, as you mentioned in the in the last interview with Cafe Disco, the, uh, what, YouTube University, as you called it. <laughs> like, dive into there, even if you don't have any money. Um, and what we, what we offer uh, ours collective is right now we're doing 30 days for free so you can kind of join our monthly curriculum like there's tons of things out there that you can learn even if you're not in the music industry if you just want to like just cook more for crying out loud like do something (laughs) so I kind of lean more on that one than the than I guess the the pity party side like everybody has their own situations um for sure and my business partner who you know 90 percent of his income is from lot from like performing live events uh, he's a he's a guitarist and a, and a vocalist and he plays in bars and whatnot. Yeah. So that was just pulled out from under him. So he's got to deal with it in a whole different way than like what I have to where I'm just like throwing myself in, in, into this situation. So I can kind of see both sides for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and I definitely play devil's advocate as well, you know, especially when you, you come to looking at what sort of situations everybody is in. In, in whatever way, but I agree with you. You know, I'm, I'm trying to use this time to my own advantage. Oh, cheers. You got a little Hennessy? I saw your story. Oh, yeah. Always a Hennessy. Did Austin get cheers. you drinking Hennessy? Um, I think, it, no, it was a little bit before that. It was actually my friend Vinny. My friend Vinny, who I was just talking about, got me into it. Yeah. Um, I, I love it. <laughs> Man, hey, we've all got our choice. I'm drinking some Maker's Mark, so. Oh, nice. I respect the Hennessy, but. Um, dude, so. You got a Midwest attitude. I, I got to assume you're from somewhere around Chicago or at least maybe the tri-state area. I am. Um, I'm from, I grew up around Springfield, Illinois. Okay, cool. So about three hours south, the capital. I was born about an hour south of Springfield, mm-hmm. but most of my most of my life I, I, I lived in Springfield, Illinois. Nice. How big was your high school then? I graduated with about 450 people, I think. Okay, yeah. So... Same. Surprises me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm from a smaller town outside Indianapolis called Zionsville, Indiana. And it was kind of, uh, from what I've heard, I've met some people from Springfield in the area around. It's, it's very rural. It's very, like, call it basic for lack of a better term, right? Yeah. And that's kind of what drew, drove me out, out of it, you know? <laughs> On top of the lack of entertainment industry, apart from, like, the 700 movie theaters we had, um, there really wasn't, like, a thriving... I was just, something was missing. I think it was mainly the culture that I was, you know, like you said, basic. It kind of is that. And there's, if somebody wants that in their life, I totally respect that. But for me, I just kind of had a calling for something else. Mm -hmm. Um, So that kind of what, that's kind of what pushed me toward Chicago and Columbia College where I went. Oh, awesome. I was just about to ask where you went to college. What did you study there? Uh, Music business management. It's a really big, long, fancy, was it arts and entertainment, media management with a concentration in music business, but it's essentially 
music business management. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations. It's a great degree. I've had so many people on the show that went there for what seems like every single type of major. So props to you, man. But when <laughs> so you grew up in Springfield, things were basic for you. Was there a point in time where you realized, I want to get involved in the music industry? I want to learn more about it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was in I was in band for a while. Basically, what started, I started as a musician. I play the drums. I haven't in a while. That <laughs> hobby is kind of just like in my back pocket. There's like yep. a nice little uh, floor drum here in my, in my crib that I kind of bang on every once in a while. Nice. Um, but for the most part, I, I've kind of set that aside. But that's how I got started. I was I was a snare drummer in, in band. Um, and then I eventually just formed this band with my friends. Uh hard rock metal as you could call it uh-huh. um and there was one venue in town called the black sheep cafe that fit 99 people was their capacity not 100 99 people okay it was written <laughs> on their wall i was like really can't fit one more person in this, this thing <laughs> yeah, um it yeah it was a it was the only pretty much the only venue let alone all ages venue um all ages didn't serve alcohol it was straight edge if you even if you know what that is, yeah, <laughs> um, yep. mainly punk show, pu- punk venue. So okay. we were like, you know, little metalheads that wanted to play there. So we approached the venue owner. We're like, hey, can we jump on a show? We're you know, we can be punk-ish. We can be metal. They put us on like a daytime show, which was outrageous. <laughs> and then it kind of spiraled from there. I think that's really when the catalyst hit, where it was like, yo. I'm pretty good at connecting these dots. I reached out to the venue owner um, and kind of made that connection and kind of finessed it in my own. I was like 14 or 15 at this time. So I kind of finessed us in there and they were like, yeah, let's put on our own shows. So then I just slowly became a promoter, a like metal promoter. Um, (laughs) And it was for a while, it was just me and my friends, bands, and just like other friends bands like local shows and then we were kind of like let's step this up like let's get some let's get some metal bands that we listen to and open up for them mm-hmm. and we were like how the hell do we do that um so <laughs> i just went on myspace dude and i found agents numbers and emails and i was like hey my name is evan i live here and my my friends have a band and we want to open but we have we have this cool venue i just like laid it all out and eventually somebody gave us a a, a shot um, my mom had to had to sign the contract for me because I was like 15. Uh, it was crazy. And in the rider, it was like Little Caesars pizza, $200, and we can sleep on your floor. So my mom would just let all these bands come and sleep on the floor. Um, and that was the major push where I was like, okay, I'm actually I'm actually bringing in some money in here. This is the real business side, and that's where I started to kind of fall in love with that the business process. That's awesome. Uh, Shout out to your mom. No, she's she's an OG for sure. Yeah, (laughs) she really, you know, she really helped push me to say, hey, Evan, you can do this full time if you want to. You know, I was going through the major, I was going through the normal phase that everybody goes through where it's like, what do I want to do when I grow up? You know, what do I want to focus on? And she was like, Evan, you're like doing it already. Like you're, 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 you know, you're bringing in money. You're learning the business. This is actually a job out there. Like you could just do that. And I was like, damn, mom, you're right. So that kind of pushed me to, to look for music business degrees. That's awesome. It's, it's really pretty special that really before you even knew that you could make money out of it, you were just doing it for the fun, pure passion, pure passion. And, you know, of course it was a little bit, a little bit, I guess, 
beneficial on our end because we the main reason we wanted to do it is because nobody else was pr- promoting shows that we wanted to get on so we just created that opportunity for ourselves and in my mind like that's the definition of an entrepreneur like yeah. that's what an entrepreneur does they see an opportunity and they and they jump on it so that's kind of what clicked in my mind hey i don't have to you know just go and get a regular degree of something i, I don't really like yeah um, so it was cool good for you man and then you go to columbia which is of course solely creatives there did you meet anybody, I mean, the people you partner with now, or who kind of led you in this direction that will kind of bridge into Artist Collective? I mean, did you have any mentors along the way? Obviously, your mom pushed you in this direction. Absolutely, yeah. Once I moved here, um, I kind of linked up with a couple of my college roommates that are still one of my two of my very good friends um, that were more in, like, the film aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it comes to the music industry mentors, yes, right out of – Basically, that first semester in Columbia, through Columbia, I linked with a blues artist by the name of Wayne Baker Brooks. Okay. Um, and I was a metalhead. I'd had probably never <laughs> even listened to blues music before this. Just keep that in mind. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, like what you said before, like getting going out of your comfort zone. I'm like, yo, listen, I'm here to learn. I'm here to do new things. Maybe I'll learn some new. I I, I don't want to just get a job with a metal person. Like I I know I know that that world. I want to step out. So yeah. I, I took the internship and it was the best decision ever. He, I, I basically became his right hand man is in his record label, his um, publishing company, and just his uh, a, as a booking agent for his performances, which you know he charges you know several thousand dollars I'll say per performance. He's really big overseas, um, so he's he's fairly large in the blues community. And it was just kind of a cool experience because he was still selling physical CDs. He was selling like 20,000 of his physical CDs for 20 bucks a pop. When I was like, what? Who buy? Who's doing this still? So it was really cool to see that like old school, like how the record industry like used to work. It was cool to see that like firsthand. Um, I went on tours with him. Uh, He took me to LA a couple times, Vegas a couple times. Wow. So I was actually really able to see like how it all works. Um, but after that, I got linked with a promotion company in town. Um, shout out Swizzle Steve Presents. Got me my first like official like I'm done with college. I'm getting paid to do what I love, and I was running marketing. So that was my first experience with running Facebook ads and promoting an event and promoting a show and branding an event. Um, so. I've just been very blessed with a lot of different opportunities that have allowed me to like wear different hats because yeah. that's what a manager should have the experience doing. Yeah. Um, and I, of course, am a consultant as well. But in the end, it's it, it's all pretty much the same. I'm I'm just able to see from all these points of view. So I've been very lucky to have these opportunities. But yeah, man. Sounds like you learned a lot of your foundations for Artist Collective. You know, I was I was um, from this blues player. I was, you know, looking deep into what you guys offer and your brand and everything like that. And one of your big things is super fans, right? And it kind of seems like this guy had his super fans that were willing to pay more for these CDs, right? And he's got a dedicated following that he can go find his market and his people are there. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I'm still connected with him and everything. I just saw an email blast go out and he was like, hey, you know, times are hard for musicians. Like, I'm not asking for handouts, but go and buy my merch. And I guarantee you, man, he sold out of that merch. I guarantee you. 
he just all he did was send one email say hey support me if, if you want um and buy, buy some merchandise and gift it to a friend or family because yeah. i'm a working musician because he is he i never knew him to do anything else he's, <laughs> he, he's like you know i think he's almost i think he's almost 50 now uh-huh. but like he is a full-time musician so he's paying his mortgage and paying all these bills off of music so he just had what he has that a lot of artists don't which is what you're talking about mm-hmm. is the ability to be like hey i you know buy this support me in this way and they will i guarantee you yeah. so that's you know that is something that i i do try to focus on because a lot of people in the industry kind of just want they just kind of want those numbers instead mm-hmm. of the real fans mm-hmm. but um there's not longevity in right exactly but i think you're right a lot of that did come from from my, my my time with him that's a cool story man i i really i i genuinely like enjoy stories like that because sometimes whether you know it or not you learn things from people in the beginning of the road and then you still hold those foundations to be true you know down down the passage of time and mm-hmm. that's really cool i, I mean i, I want to ask you more about artist collecting man i'm a huge fan like congratulations and, and all your success so far with it how long has it been since you started it I started I started it right out of college. I remember one of my last one of my last um, I guess projects for uh, for a class. Um, I only went to Columbia for two years. I transferred in. so my my senior year at the time, I was like a final project where it's like a potential business plan, right? <laughs> and I did of this business that I technically started, you know, it wasn't an LLC officially, but it I was already like under that name. But I remember putting it in and she want, she made me redo it because it was an existing business. I'm like, so you're, 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 <laughs> I can't do it because it, because it currently exists. It has to be a hypothetical. But anyway, that's why, that's why I remember the time frame. Yeah. Um, but I graduated in 2013. So it would be about maybe, you know, 2013, 2014 that I started it. That's awesome, man. And for those that don't know about it, you know, what would you well, you've defined it as, and, and you can obviously put this in your own words from what I've researched, a music consulting company that helps artists build brands, monetize their music, and find their tr- their true super fans, right? Correct. How did you um, come up with these three pillars, man? I mean, that's really what it's all about in simple terms, but there's obviously levels to the shit. How did you come I, up with those as the foundations? Um, I mean, just through just through what I've done in the past, I guess, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, just because before we built this, I mean, when I first started it in that 2013, it, it has pivoted. It has evolved as I encourage everybody else's business and brand. It should. You shouldn't keep it from evolving. Like, yeah. don't don't hesitate from from pivoting. Because when I started it, I wanted to be a music management company, mm-hmm. you know. But there's there's certain. It went from management to like marketing to a hybrid so the way that i i push my services out pivoted long story short um but yeah it just kind of came from those those times those clients that i had from marketing where they would you know pay me two hundred dollars and i'd i'd basically run a two uh they give me two hundred dollars and i'd run an ad for 150 and keep 50 bucks So I I was able to learn something new from there as opposed to, you know, if I was just managing an artist and I took a percentage off of everything that they they made, I'd learn different things because it'd be a different focus. So I've just over time, I felt like those are the pillars to kind of build an artist career. And I've just noticed that a lot of artists focus 
on the higher level stuff when they don't really even have those that foundation the like who who are you why why are you creating music like why are you doing this figuring out your goals um so it really has definitely the company as a whole has evolved from being you know just a typical like label people are like wait so you're a label like technically like everybody it, it doesn't matter you're under a label you're under just a name that's really what that means it's just about how people are getting paid that differs wouldn't you wouldn't you agree yeah absolutely I <laughs> so so it's like um yeah there's building those super fans are very important and you can't build those super fans without knowing how those super fans are going to connect with you what what's that connection is it that they value the same things as you. It has to be more than just they like the genre of music that you're producing. It has to. It's got to go deeper than that. Yeah. Um, so we kind of just help artists think past Spotify playlists, man. Like that's I, I hate to say it, but I hate to have that call out. But you know, you get hit up all every day, all day, every day. Can you get me on playlist? Can you get me on that? I'm like, oh, cool. I'll get you on a playlist. You, you pay your submission. For one, are you super familiar with what the how those playlists? react like if they're real people or not or how are you going to make sure that they continue listening i guess so i, I try to like attack that before even moving on to pushing the numbers and getting a catalog together i mean i absolutely love that man and that's something you know as a as a, a humble manager in the beginning stages you know i started managing artists um probably 10 months ago or so and i felt i've been managing my i was managing myself before i went into a partnership which i'll go into and i'll tell you a little about here and that's my thing too. It's like, look, it's not all about how many plays you get. It's like quantity matters in some instances, but it's the quality and how long that you can last with things that you love doing every single day. And that's what I try and nail into my artist's heads. It's like, look, it's awesome to get on these big playlists and get all these plays, but does that translate to people buying tickets for your shows? Right. You know, to in just in, in layman's terms, right? So, you know, I, I, I have definitely relate to you there man it's it's very important to understand what's important as an artist and it's the music and it's the connection with the fans absolutely um and i mean it's just really a lot of it is like some introspect some introspection has to occur within the artist as well and that's something that that we focus on too a lot of you know labels are not gonna labels or distribution companies are not going to ask you the type of questions that that i would ask you as a consultant or a manager you know <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. just won't they, they, their their job is to push that track my job is to help flourish your brand to longevity Instead of just, yeah, that, that track might be old like tomorrow, you know what I mean? That, that track might not, might not stand the test of time, but will your brand? Like people just need to like you for, for you and that you happen to make music. And you also make videos and you're a TikToker, or you're a YouTuber and you're, you know, an event curator. Your artists are so many different things. So it's just like you got to gotta find the sweet spot of packaging that together. Yeah, absolutely, man. And and you mentioned we with Artist Collective. Who else? Who else is involved within and uh, helping out with you guys? Yeah, um, the there's three total owners. Myself, um, my buddy, his name's Steve Stephen Lynn. He was the bassist in our metal band that I talked about earlier. Um, so we go way back. We went to high school together. Um, and my buddy Vinny, uh, Vinny Hines who is an artist and he came onto the company. I originally, I started managing, managing him maybe a decade ago. Um, since then he got on American Idol, 
He's he's been on he basically got his start on cruise ships. He was on a cruise ship for like five years, just playing yeah. in front of thousands. And now he books himself and um, he helps manage. He basically manages some of the bookings that he does with the with the like cover gigs and whatnot. But he helps on that side as well. So there's there's three of us total. That's all. I, I always try and, you know, give a shout out to everybody else who's a part of uh, a business. And I know that there's a lot of times it's not just one person, one thing. So absolutely. That's yeah. nice, man. That's awesome. Um, something that's really interesting to me about your guys brand is as a consulting company, what's it like, you know, from the initial stages where either someone approaches you or you approach them, let's push management aside from a consulting standpoint. What do you guys, what are the questions you ask, however granular you want to get to understand what type of person they are and where, where you want to take them, where you might be able to help them best? On the, uh, on the consulting side, you mean? Yeah. On the consulting side. Um, well, usually if they're, if they're interested in the one-on-ones, honestly, what originally happens, what honestly mostly happens is that they ask, they say, I'm looking for a manager. Right. So I think a lot of it is that misconception of the industry. And I don't blame anybody for doing that. It just, I want to try to be a proponent of like a manager. You're not always ready for a manager. Manager's taking a percentage. If there's nothing there to take, like what, what, there's no business, unfortunately. So a lot of that comes with kind of retraining people. And I try to do that through content. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's how it, that's how it first starts. Hey, I'm looking for a manager. Okay, cool. Tell me more. It's yeah. it's really just all about being a therapist. Most of, I'm a therapist most of the day. It's just asking cool, asking specific questions to get them to a, a certain place where you can say, great, this is what I offer without them like being confused. Okay. So I get to a point where I'm like, yeah, I'm a consultant. You know, you basically hire me and we can we can really focus on a certain certain thing. So I get them on a call and I just ask them where they've been. I ask them like what kind of goals that they have. And really, usually what happens is they don't have an answer. And to me, like that's the sweet spot. You know, I'm not a sales call-y person. You know what I mean? I I like to have just a normal conversation. But when you look at it as like, you know, you want to get them to a place where you can present your services and see if it converts or not. So that's usually my point to be like, cool, you have some holes in your plan, AKA there is no plan. That's where I come in. I help you create this plan. I put you in the right direction. I help you open doors. I you know, can tell you my wins and losses through the years. Um, and if I don't know something, because here's the fact, here's the fact, I don't know everything. There's things that I, I'm still experiencing right to this day. And that's, and that's the truth. But if I don't know something, I'll be honest. And I'll say, I, I know somebody who, who I can reach out to. I, I've got plenty of online groups, uh, you know, and, and individuals that know much more than me that I can reach out to and make that happen. Mm-hmm. And um, and pretty much just present it that way. And I guess the original question was, what questions do I ask them to, to kind of get them to the, the consulting? Yeah, it's a two-way street, man. You know, like yeah. providing your time and your services. And I think you really did explain it, honestly, because a lot of artists think that they need a manager, but they don't know what the role of a manager is. And it's pretty simply, well, what is there to manage? Right. And, and a lot of that again is, you know, I'm, I'm very big into like the, the, the mindfulness movement, if you will, sure. being very aware, um, been into meditation for the past couple years. 
I, I co-hosted another podcast for a while called Vibe Talk Music, where that's what we talked about, mindfulness in the music industry. Awesome. Um, so I think it's really important to be honest and be aware of the things like that. So I'll ask like straight up deep, deep cut questions to these <laughs> artists like, what do you really want to do? What do you really want to accomplish with this? Yeah. Um, and kind of take it from there. But it really does it really does, you know, it's some hurdle, it's jumping over some hurdles with some of these artists to be like, yo, do you want a manager because you don't want to do the work? Or is it because you think that they can take you to the next level and they can guide you? Because if you want to manage, because honestly, that's, I feel like what it is. They want a manager to hop on board so they have a cut and they can do less. I don't fuck with that. <laughs> I'm sorry if I can't say that, but I don't mess with that. No. Um, and I need to I need to determine that ASAP before we get started because I, I'm not trying to take anybody's money if nothing's going to happen. You know what I mean? Uh, so I, I have to get to that point to be like, honestly, short of straight up asking them, do you just want me, do you just want to hire me so I'll do all the work for you? Or are you trying to like, you know, be in this with me? Um, yeah. The best way I describe, I compare a, a music consultant um, and really our, our business as a whole is... Artist Collective, the Artist Collective monthly membership is like buying a gym membership for your music career. Okay. You show up, we'll show you, we have the, we have our trainings, we have our resources, we have our community meetups where we can connect with each other and give each other encouragement and, 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 and exactly equipment. Yeah. And then hiring me as a consultant one-on-one -on -one is like hiring a personal trainer. I, you got the, you, you've, you've got the membership, but if you want that, if you want to get there faster, I've got a certain route that I think you can take and I need to get to know you one-on-one. -on -one. Like I can teach in a general sense all day long, but everybody's situation is different. Every artist is, is different with their own paths. Mm -hmm. um, and I can help connect people to other people better. So that's the best way to describe kind of what we do. I love that. Perfect answer, man. And, and you said so many awesome bullet points there um, for people that are trying to figure out where to go next in my career. And it is it is really important to not only, you know, from your position, ask those hard questions. I think that artists, any creative need to ask themselves the hard questions. What am I in this for? What is my long-term goal? How can I make tangible short-term goals to actually make those things happen? And even, I would even tack onto that, what message are you trying to portray mm -hmm. to your fans? Yep. Not what kind of music, I don't care what kind of, honestly, I don't care what kind of genre it is. Uh, I, I, I get sent demos all day long and they're like, is this good? It's like, you know, <laughs> good music is, is it's like, <laughs> I, I can't tell you if that is, there's a, there's, there's a lane for everything. I mean, there's literally playlists and songs that are released out there that are just like fart noises. <laughs> And they got streams, man. They have streams. So don't <laughs> don't ask me if it's good. What it what yeah. it, what I want to know is like what vibe and what message do you want to portray to your potential super fans? And if you don't know, if it's just like I just want to make good music, you're not you're not ready yet. Like let's get let's let's figure that out. Like you want to set a vibe. You want to things that I've heard is like, you know, I want to you know present my creativity in a way that that supports the fact that music is an international language. Okay, that's a message I can deal with. Something in a direction. Yeah. Um, and then we can kind of pick out some points to put into marketing, things like that. So yeah. that's what I care more about than like the genre that you create because a lot of artists I, I even 
you know, work with right now, they create different things. Like Austin's creating so much different, you know, he's, he has a collab, he has that collab with, with Cafe Disco and Slash Flynn. And then yeah. he also is making, making trap music. Like it, and he's got an indie rock song coming out. So it's more about the message than it is about the genre. I love that man. And, and I was going to just about to ask you about Austin. I think he's such a talented artist and really, really special, special guy in the creative field. Uh, first time I heard him was, um, I think it was all these pretty girls. And I was like, whoa, dude, like, what is this? Like, this is good. And, and that's why I love Cafe Disco, too, because they really they're so great at just curating the perfect stage for an artist like Austin. On the flip side of Artist Collective, what are some things that you've done maybe with Austin and some other artists that you, you've managed to help them grow? Austin is obviously just said he's going to play it South by Southwest. He's releasing all this great music. He has tours. You've gone all over with him. What's been the timeline um, for someone like him? Yeah, so I got... Um, I got linked in with him like professionally as his manager, maybe beginning of last year, if okay. my my math is right. Okay. So basically, I was a I was a super fan of his music first and foremost. Wow. That's one of the main reason that I manage him as opposed to you know consulting is because there's a lot of different factors. Um, oh. He's got he's pushing out a lot of music. Um, you know, I really, it mainly comes down to, I was just a super fan of his music. I remember <laughs> seeing him perform one time and I didn't even know, I was like, yo, that was crazy. And we kind of linked from there. Awesome. Um, but it kind of grew into a friendship and then, a re- and then a business relationship. And so the first year I got on board, our main focus was, you asked about a timeline. My yeah. main focus was like in a year, his Spotify, I guess, realm was lacking. Mm-hmm. So I like to, I, I like to like, hyper focus on a specific area, whether it be for a quarter or a year or whatever. Yeah. So I said any, but in this year that we work together, I want to grow your Spotify, what, however that means, follows, streams, monthly listeners, playlists. I just yeah. want to, I want to dive into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we successfully did that. I think we raised him from a thousand monthly listeners to, you know, sometimes it goes up to like 70 K. Yeah. Um, and that was just based on more music more collaborations mm-hmm. and more just you know digging into the to the dirty stuff nobody wants to like finding playlists and things like that and i learned so much so your original question was what are some steps really just set some goals like there's so much to build in this industry it mm-hmm. you can get overwhelmed I, I this is a quote i get a lot from artists they say there's so much to do as an independent artist. I get so overwhelmed with what with their with what there is to do that I end up just doing none of it. <laughs> so it's like, yo, you can't think of it like that. Just piece it by piece. Cool. In the next three months, I'm gonna w- work on building my mailing list. Everything you do should support that goal. Everything. Your content should you immediately have it support that mailing list in some shape or form. So just find those goals and just execute. Just double down on it and then analyze the data. Cool, we got there. Cool, we didn't. How can we get there again? Um, so I guess that first year was Spotify and live performances. Mm-hmm. As you know, that's kind of changing now. So yeah. we're, we feel good about Spotify, so we're kind of refocusing on just um, YouTube platform and just building more of those super fans, whether that mean a mailing list or just online engagement. So we just, ha- we, you know, we kind of go in quarters on what we want to focus on. And whether you're an artist or you have a manager or you're, you know, you're an artist with a manager, like 
do do that. Just come yeah. together and just meet and talk and collaborate and get a freaking whiteboard. I have five of them. Whiteboards <laughs> save my life. <laughs> oh my god, I mean, that's fucking hilarious because I, me and my uh, manager partner, we whiteboard. We say whiteboard session, and that's it's, it. And we know what's gonna go down, right? We you just there's something about putting pen to paper. Look at that. That oh, oh those, you guys. <laughs> those are two calendar. Those are two months ahead of time, so I can like I see and I cross it out. Like it, that's a lot of times it's just visualizing what you want. And if you don't ever set that goal or visualize it or put it on a whiteboard or, you know, write it on the back of your toilet, like if you don't, if you're not visualizing that, it probably will never happen. It's that it's the law of attraction. I don't know how how crazy deep you want to go with stuff like this, but like that stuff is real. That's real. (laughs) Thank you, dude. You're you're a very driven guy and I'm I'm relating to you on a lot of different levels here. And and you got to write that shit down, man. I strongly believe that in a digital age. There's something so raw about writing down something that you want to do and holding yourself accountable, right? It's not like sending it, sending a text like I might be there. It's fucking writing in your own personal book, wherever you do. That's what I think about. Like, no matter where I write it, it means something to me. Like, dude, this is my notebook right here, bro, with all my shit. And if it doesn't get written in here, it's highly unlikely it gets done. So it's a word to the wise for everybody watching this. Like, write it down. Right. Just just the act of writing it, even if it's not in a place where you see it every day, just the act of writing it gets to yeah. your brain better <laughs> than just sure. thinking it. Um, it's just reinf- it's just reinforcement. Absolutely. Unless it's the quadratic formula back in middle school. I didn't retain that very well. <laughs> never. Uh, never. I didn't even remember that until you brought it up. <laughs> I remember that it's called the quadratic formula, but that's it. So <laughs> no math, no math, man. But I want to ask you, you've got a, a ton of experience with branding. I mean, even your own personal page, um, it's very impressive. It's well-organized. Uh, an Instagram, of course, is different than a Twitter and a Facebook page and whatever else, right? And you've done an awesome job with your artist collective page. And of course, your artists. My question to you is, in an oversaturated market in a digital age with all this stuff, right? You have to create some sort of visual and emotional aspects of branding. Do you think that you can do one or the other or how do you do both? And what's your kind of your thoughts on those types of things for being unique? Visual and emotional, you said? Yeah, you know, just with branding, like when you were creating, let's say building up Austin's or, or building up your own, what were you thinking or were you feeling? I think um, with mine, it came down to figuring out, I guess, what message, like, like I said before, what message I want to come across. Uh, yeah. There's an exercise that I, that I take my artists through, um, which is a brand values exercise, which is really figuring out what your top five values are as a human okay. being. Ooh. Mine are, shit, I have them written down. One of them is like ambition, innovation, things like that. Yeah. So what I do is I take those brand values and that is my focal point for my content. Mm-hmm. I say, cool, these are this is what I value. So in order to find my super fans, I need to they are gonna connect with these five things more than anything else. Awesome. So I kind of reverse engineer it and I say, cool, these are my five things. Honesty is one of them. Honesty, self-awareness, innovation, and ambition, I think, are the top four. There's another one I don't remember. I love but that. I reverse engineer that and I say, cool, what content would people who want this look for? Cool, mm-hmm. motivational motivational things, um, 
innovation would be um, like walkthrough videos and uh, tutorial videos, things like that. So I kind of just make a list and I say, great, I'm going to double down on all these things. Yeah. Because otherwise, again, it's just visualizing and executing on that. Otherwise, you're just kind of like, I could post anything. Here's a picture of my sandwich. Here's a picture of me in the bathroom. Like (laughs) none of that aligns with what your goals are. So why the fuck are you posting about it? Yeah. that's so like what you talked about too, like kind of like your motto, your artist motto. What's what's that thing that you're working towards every day? Does it make sense? Is it in that lane? Exactly. So when I came, I just when it, to answer your question, when I look at like branding and content, I simplify the hell out of it. That's 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 all it really comes down to. And I double down on those on those few things. And I try not to overthink it. I mean, a lot of my posts, as you'll see on my personal page, like it's just a, it's just one a screenshot of a tweet that I had, <laughs> and it's some kind of like cool thing that I think of through my weekly and daily like consultations with real artists and real things. I just write in my notes and I and I screenshot it. That's that, that's it. Like I didn't I didn't overcomplicate. It's not a fancy video of like twelve yeah. shots, um, but it it's the message is there. Um, and honestly, it's going to vary on platform, you know, the content like that is not going to work on TikTok. So you have to kind of take the Gary V approach and, and treat every platform as its own, like, I guess, culture hub. Um, and that what I'm speaking to is like what works best for me on Instagram. Now, TikTok, it would be something different. It would probably definitely be video format and it would be long form and probably be a mix of funny and, you know, you get what I'm saying. So it really just kind of depends. It just comes down to what message do you want to, what, what vibe do you want to, you want to create? If you're creating trap music, that's, you know, really high energy, you know, that's probably the type of content people that want that vibe to be are looking for. If you're yeah. a DJ, yeah, you probably want videos of you DJ. You probably want live streams. You probably, you know, maybe the introspective tweets may not work that well. Right. Um, and it just comes down to trial and error. <laughs> that's that's yeah. life, right? That's just all of life, just trial yeah. and error. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always say I'm throwing shit at the wall and I'm seeing what sticks, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love that, man. Well, and again, props to you on everything you've built. It really is impressive, you know, from a social media perspective. And I think you really said it perfectly. The people who do follow you are looking for the content that you put out there. And that's something that I kind of had to think about. You know, I pivoted a lot too, right? Like I had always been passionate about podcasting. I went to Indiana University for telecommunications with a focus in design and production. I love I loved filmmaking, I loved screenwriting, I loved meeting new people in that, and it just kind of kept evolving and evolving. Came to Chicago, because Indiana does not have any music, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. music, right? So I'm like, I gotta get to Chicago, get a day job, and I'm like, I don't know anybody here. How can I, you know, actually get to know people that doesn't involve myself going to the club and walking up to the DJ who's playing and saying, hey, I'm mad, I wanna meet you, right? <laughs> and a lot of people do that and it's it's tough, right? So I was like, well, what platform can I build for myself so that I can talk to these people? And I was like, well, I really wanna do a podcast. So over the course of you know almost three and a half years now, I've interviewed guys like you and I've had genuine conversations and connections and I've learned and it kept pivoting from Okay, like it's gonna be me doing a mix with me just talking. And then it was like, well, I wanna feature other artists. So then I was like, all right, well, I'll go to their place and I'll record it. I was like, well, and I need, now I need to get video involved. And now I need to get clips of that. And now I have all these pieces of micro content. And now 
here I am at this point, and it's so much different than it started. So I always like just kind of telling that story because I knew that my main goal, my main ambition was to meet people who are passionate about what they do. And I wanted to meet people in the music industry because that's what I'm passionate about. And it's just, it's so humbling to be able to talk to someone like you who really shares a lot of the same goals and values. So I, I relate to you on a lot of different levels there, sir. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah. And thanks for sharing your story. I, I didn't really know like kind of where that came from. Uh, yeah. And I think that's beautifully said. I mean, that's, that's very similar to, you know, my story. Yeah. I, even <laughs> back when I was 14, we wanted, we wanted shows. We said, our goal is to have shows for our band. What do we need to do to do that? Yep. And we, and we completed it and then it kind of built from there. And I think that, I think the name of this podcast right now is set a fucking goal. <laughs> <laughs> But like, I love that too. It's like you saw you saw an area where I need to get I need to meet new people. Well, if I create a platform for myself to bring people to me, I don't have to go like shoving my business card down people throat people's throats. And that's exactly and how that's I beautiful. Up. That's how I started throwing my own events. That's how I started managing artists. I wanted to play more house shows, and I had already worked really hard to start playing some of these open format shows. Call it, and I was like, well. Maybe I'll just start throwing my own events because I know a lot of DJs that want to play house shows. I did that. I developed close relationships with guys like Flynn, and we kind of saw a future in helping each other out. And then I started managing him, and then my partner was managing me. And, and now we've got a collection of six artists, and it's really a, a beautiful thing where it doesn't happen right away, no matter what you're doing. And the most important thing is that we're all in it for the right reasons, and that's the love of music. So... Absolutely. Yeah. Let if, me if let, do it yourself. What's that? If somebody else won't help you, just do it yourself. No, absolutely. Um, and let me let me flip the interview real quick. Let me ask you some questions. Let me ask you a question. Um, what What do you feel like? Because it seems like artist management really wasn't in wasn't your main focus at first. It kind of grew into that. Mm-hmm. What What do you know? What the catalyst was there? Was it just like one day you woke up and you realized you were managing five artists, or like what What, what happened yeah. to get I, you to that? Great question. Great question. And I'm not surprised you flipped the script on me here. <laughs> you're, you're a good talker, too. You know, it really kind of was a mul- uh, multiple things. I'm, a, I'm an older brother. My younger brother is about three years younger than me. And through different sort of ways, I've always kind of coached him, so to speak, you know, and, and helped him understand like big brother things, you know, like this is what life's all about. Right. And over the course of that time, you know, I'm 27 Flynn and a lot of these guys are younger and I saw them making mistakes that I had made previously and I was inadvertently managing them saying hey you know that's that's not worth your time man you don't need to do that like they're sending me music and I'm like I think this is good but like this is your sound like don't compromise who you are just to get more plays and I found myself kind of just falling into this wavelength of managing people that trusted my opinion and that I believed in them so it was this this perfect stew. Um, it was Flynn first. Um, and, and, and my managing partner, his name's Tony. Um, you know, I was operating at a hundred percent, um, and I needed help and he could see that. And he's very smart and he's, he's, he's driven in his own ways. He's an entrepreneur. And he said, dude, I want to help you. I want to help you get bigger artists. I want to help you with the busy work, you know, and, and he helped me take the podcast to the next level. And, 
what you said earlier about people thinking that they want people to do the busy work for them, right? Like I was doing all that and I couldn't grow because of my limit on time. And when I saw how much Tony helped me, I realized how much I could help other people like Flynn, like Max, like Sainz, like Solas Dean, like Christian, you know, like these guys are all so talented and I wanted to help them develop a vision long-term because I had been through that in my own way. So that's kind of how it all happened. That's dope. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it just comes down to, you know, you see all these, you know, with the rise of, you know, coaches and consultants mm-hmm. and even managers, like you always see like people claiming to be experts and when, when is somebody an expert and when is somebody not? And when is somebody like qualified to take somebody on as a manager or a consultant? Yeah. I, I really look at it this way. It's like, I don't by any means, I don't think the word expert ever comes up in me describing what I am or anything, <laughs> but yeah. it comes down to, you know, if you in, on a line of where, you know, your knowledge base in in a certain industry, if you're at a seven, you know, as long as you're at a place where like the majority is not below you, like they're, you're better than them, but like maybe you, you just have more knowledge or maybe you have more wins and losses, just more experience than, you know, the majority of people. That's where you can kind of, that's what kind of qualifies you just being like, Hey, I've gone through X, Y, and Z and you haven't. So I think I'm qualified to manage you or consult you. So I think that's kind of, a good breakdown of when somebody is, you know, eligible for that. And I think that's what happened with you is like, you realize, Hey, I considered myself like still a newbie, but I still like have a lot of knowledge to share with people that have not gone through that yet. And that's what it comes down to. Exactly, man. Like I may not be, I may not be the guy with the most clout in the world to get you on all the best festival lineups and, and Spotify playlists, but I wear my heart on my sleeve. And my biggest thing is that, through the 90 plus people I've interviewed now, the thing I ask them all is, how did you get to where you are now, right? And they they get pretty deep and they tell me. And I've realized that really in the past six months, I've learned so much from the people I've interviewed that it's helped me in so many ways that I wanna do what they did for me, whether they knew it or not. So that's helping the artists that we manage grow to where they wanna be. And it's asking the hard questions, like you said in the beginning. What do you want? Where do you see yourself long-term? What's important to you, right? You're right. Absolutely. Is there like a certain question that you ask, like maybe all of your guests that you like, if you, if there's one thing, like maybe there's like a a certain question that you only ask for you, not for your listeners, but for you, is there (laughs) anything like that? (laughs) Um, Yeah, absolutely. I I do it kind of for both. And it's something that I learned from a podcast I really like named Lewis Howes. You may have heard of him before. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he, I try and with the podcast, I try and tie in the, the emotional aspect of what it's like to be creative, you know, a lot of ups and downs with kind of the Joe Rogan, you know, bullshit talk back and forth, the fun stories. And the one thing that I think they both do great is they understand the emotional intelligence of the other person and where they can kind of pick it places in their history or timeline where they've had to overcome something. Because I'm always trying to ask questions you've never been asked before. So one thing that I always ask that I have for you is an obstacle that you've overcome personally, professionally, and how did you do it? And I'll ask you that right now. You laid Man, me did, did, did I Did I jump the gun? My bad. No, dude, that was um, probably the best layup ever. I just got a triple-double off the backboard from you. Thank you. Damn. <laughs> Perfect. Um, 
I don't think it's one specific story. I think it's a collective of stories, no mm. pun intended. <laughs> um, I think especially let's look at the management and just the 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 tendency of having to deal with because a lot of what we do as managers or consultants, we're kind of liaisons between X, Y, and Z. Yep. Um, we kind of help plug in certain people. We help guide. Um, I think what an obstacle that I came across, and it always continues to happen, it's something that I had to realize, is that you really need to understand people more than I expected. Yeah. You know, it's like when I was going into it, I'm like, yeah, I can do this. I didn't really understand how much I really needed to like my communication skills needed to be top notch. Mm -hmm. I needed to be able to kind of sift through egos most of the time. That's most of my day. I don't know about you, but it's like babysitting and being therapist and, and nurturing when it's time to nurture and to be an asshole when it's time to be an asshole. So it's like really like understanding my own emotions and also understanding and empathizing with another person's emotion and i just realized my fifth thing my fifth core value is empathy is empathy yes there it is there it is um because i think that that is really you really need to like understand where somebody else is coming from um so i think that's one of the biggest obstacles where it took a lot of time where it, it took a lot of time to be like man i i, I can't just be like a businessman like i have to like be a therapist. And uh, I talk about this a lot too. My, my sister is a therapist and I really look up to her. I always talk to her about things and, I, and, I, and I'm aware of how she talks to other people oh, and wow. how she talks to her clients and myself. Yeah. Um, so I kind of take that with me and say, I have to be like that because you can't be too aggressive. You can't be too soft. Different personalities mix with other people. Egos may, might, might clash. And as a manager, you have to foresee that. Yes, you do. Um, so <laughs> I'm by no means, a, you know, a master at that, but I'm pretty damn good right now just based on all the bullshit I had to deal with all the time. You know, even to, you know, today, man, today I had to deal with stuff. I had to deal with split sheets and like different people not not agreeing. So it's like <laughs> you have to know how to handle that and ha- have to handle your own emotions because everybody else's emotions are going to be very out there. I love that. I mean, that's so great. And, and, Thank you for the little factoid and story about your sister there, because there is an invaluable aspect of this that, um, you know, maybe call it God given. Right. But it's intuition, man. It's knowing like because collaboration is a huge, huge part of growing an artist brand. And it's very difficult to make it by yourself as an artist without kind of using other people um, as pedestals. So. I'm right there with you, man. And, and that's awesome. It's all about how you ask the, the questions, right? And it, it loops back to what you said, asking questions that are tough, that maybe right. haven't been asked before. And I think a, a lot of what we do as well is I, I try to identify really foundational things like just like that. And I try to I try to educate and inform artists as much as I can before they even work with me. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a lot of going back to your content. I say, cool, people don't know X, Y, and Z um, right now, so I need to make sure my content speaks to that, whether that be a tweet or a quote or a video of me explaining um, how important this is. Um, You know, as an example, one of the tweets and posts that I I sent out was like, artists need to get over this scarcity mindset that there's not enough to go around. Like, even though you're a DJ and you think you're competing with all the other DJs in 
you know, in the city, technically, you know, there's enough to go around, but your real competitors is every other thing to do in the, on planet earth other than listen to music. So when you look at it that way, you're competing with everyone. So just yeah. the little things that trying to reteach artists that it's collaboration over competition that we say here. So that is more important. You're going to get farther like that, even collaborating with a DJ, you know, Austin collaborating with Cafe Disco, which led to collaborating with Flynn, which led yep. to them doing a new song together. That's more powerful than saying, no, this is mine. Fuck you. Yep. Like, that's yeah. more powerful. Um, so to try to rewrite that like as soon as possible, it helps us as a business because then they're starting to see content. And they're starting to say, oh, they're right. That is more important. And then they go and they do it and they say, I remember Artist Collective. They're the ones that told me that collaboration is important. I'm going to check them out now. So it's planting yeah. that seed as much as you can. Absolutely. I love that, man. And that's the cool thing about, you know, being from Chicago and, and living here is it really is that that Midwest, that Midwest stride, right? Like we all do want to lend the helping hand and I did say in the beginning, you know, I went up and introduced myself and I will say here, and I ask that question a lot, it's more possible in Chicago to get a genuine reaction from a DJ that wants to help out maybe in other cities. And I don't want to make the assumption, but this is things that I've asked people personally. So I think that's the, probably my favorite part about Chicago is you can ask for help and you can make your way up if you're genuine about your approach. So right. I love that, man. But, you know, like I said, I've been following you for a while and, um, you know, you, you've been recognized by so many people, man. I just want to give you a shout out. Billboard, Medium. I mean, you've had multiple TV spots on, the, on TV and the radio. And it doesn't usually happen for management to get recognized like at this <laughs> level. So props to you, man. I just want to acknowledge you again and, and ask, you know, how it feels to get that recognition from such legitimate sources. I'm I'm humbled, man. I mean, it, it took a lot of growth, personal growth for me to kind of get to that point. I mean, just looking at what position or what instrument I played in a band, I was in the I was a drummer. I was in the damn back. I liked it like that. I was going I was rocking out. Nobody really saw me. There's not really a lot of pictures of me. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, this really helped me step out of my comfort zone to be like, hey, you know, you're the CEO of this company. You have to be a CEO of the company. I'm like, oh, shit, I guess I have to. <laughs> so you. it kind of just came from it's time to it's time to elevate. It's always time to elevate. So I'm humbled by it, man. Um, I'm thankful for, for my team and, and my guys that were there from the beginning and everybody that's kind of helping us along the way. Every, all the artists that are on board. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do I do it for them. I I. I put myself in the forefront to help artist collective go forward so we can help more people. Um, I definitely don't do it from, it doesn't come from a, I want my face on medium, but if that means that artist collective could be on their website, which in, increases our SEO, hell yeah, I'll do it. I'll absolutely do it. Yeah. So it comes from a great place. I'm humbled by it. And um, shout out to my publicist. She's the one helping out with that. Um, but yeah, more to come on that, on that end as well. I'm excited. Manager has a publicist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's weird, man. It just it's happened like a month you. ago. Yeah. You need me to manage you too? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll manage them and you manage me and, and manage somebody me. else will manage you. Uh, we'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Another time. Another interview. Yeah. <laughs> Love that, man. Um, you know, time is of the essence. The coronavirus is, is really affecting the whole world, let alone the music industry. You know, if you can and put it in spark notes, what do you think the, the near future holds and maybe the long term for for creatives in the music industry? I think 
not as much is going to change long term as people think. Okay. I think what this has done is really thrown open the idea of us being able to live online together. Yeah. I, I mean, lives have been around for a while, a couple years. I remember I, I had a segment called Going Live with AC Evan, real old school, like right when it came out. <laughs> and like zero people were doing shit like that. Like zero people were even like joining in, to be honest. I was kind of alone for a, while, for a lot of them starting out. Right. But it's like the fact that they've been around for a while and now like Zoom is like the top company right now. Like they're, yeah. they're making bank. Like Facebook is – did you see that Facebook just announced some new stuff to compete with Zoom? Because they're like, shit, we better step it up. Zoom oh, is taking oh, like, the cake. Right, yeah. Well, they, they're doing, like, multiple lives together, and you can now, like, request to get paid straight through the Facebook Live, all kinds of updates. Um, so the fact is it's opening up a new – it's opening up a new opportunity. Yeah. Um, I mean, the last recession, I'm pretty sure Uber and a couple other companies like that were created. So yeah. I'm excited to see what new things and new innovative uh, companies and ideas come from this, but – in terms of the music industry, it's going to affect some some live uh, some live venues for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think this is just opening up. It's just pushing everybody in the direction that like companies like you know like you and the companies like mine have been pushing people like, hey, you, you should maybe just you know build a fan base online. You don't have to play out in your area to get a fan base. You know, there's yeah. people in in Europe that might like you. Right. So I think this is really just pushing people in the direction that they should have gone anyway. Oh God, that's honestly the best the best answer yet. <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think I think make it make you know take advantage of this because the whole world stopped together and that's the first time ever, right? You know, like natural disasters only happen in one part. Even like world wars only affect certain areas. I mean, yes, the whole world, but like everybody's at home right now thinking about the things that they were doing. And now I think moving forward, you're right. People are going to think about, well, what is really important to me? Yeah. And I mean, so each each month, um, people who artists that are involved with uh, the Artist Collective membership, the monthly membership, which you can try, you can join for free, artistcollect.com. Yes. But April was each month we have like curriculum, like, cool, let's all focus on one goal. Like what I said, it's very important to like set goals monthly, yes. bi-monthly, whatever. We'll have one goal and we'll have training supporting that. And I'll kind of like check in with everybody to make sure everybody's like doing good. But okay. this month was all about living online with your super fans. Okay. So we doubled down on that. As soon as that was announced that cool, it was, you know, the first 30 days lockdown. Great. Everybody's at home. That's fantastic. How are you going to connect with them? What are you going to do? How are you going to go live? How are you going to make sure that they're going to remember you when they go back to work? That's the most yeah. important thing. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of our main curriculum, and that's, I believe, yeah, that's what uh, made it to Billboard, was that that curriculum that we had there. Um, awesome. But, yeah, man, I, we've been able to help a lot of artists really focus on that instead of panicking and saying, how can I ask people to, you know, submit to my GoFundMe? <laughs> I, I took the opposite approach. I go, don't ask for anything. Give, give, is, give more than you take. And I, I know it's going to come. That's how they're going to remember you in a time yep. of need. Yep. Um, other than saying, hey, tune in and give me $17 to play a cover. Like, yeah, that's not going to help anybody. <laughs> no, no, nobody wants that. Yeah. <laughs> less because you're doing that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, well, last question. What's the rest of your look like for you and the Artist Collective and maybe some of your artists, too? 
Um, would you say what's the what's the rest of the year look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what are you guys' plans right now? Um, right now, it's really pushing our monthly curriculum, and I'm always looking to sign on some new artists for consulting. If you're you know if you're just kind of stuck with where you're at and want somebody to you know somebody's ear to bend and you want to go through kind of our branding um, criteria, then mm-hmm. I would love to work with you. Um, but that's our main, that's our main focus right now. And we're doing some, we're doing some, we're doing a little, uh, PR run. Uh, we got some cool, some other TV opportunities, I believe, as soon as everything, um, <laughs> kind of simmers down and we can go into the studio. Yeah. Uh, but as far as Austin goes, it's really just doubling down on his, on his catalog. I'm using this time as his manager to be like, cool, are all the splits good? Is there is is sound exchange going through all the boring shit that nobody really wants to do because you know there's plenty of other things to do in the summer in Chicago or the spring in Chicago. So I have really been focused on managing that catalog and making sure that all the funds are there and they're going to the right place. Yes, love that man. That's awesome. Good for you. Keeping your head on a swivel. I've I've learned so much from this conversation and I have (laughs) so much respect for you and what you do with Artists Collective and. And, you know, on behalf of artists everywhere, man, and managers, like you're doing something that's truly unique and special. So props to you again. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. This is great. I'm glad we finally connected. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, and now I, I, this always happens. Well, now that we're locked in, it doesn't happen as much anymore. But every time I talk to somebody on the booth, we see each other again soon. And I'm looking forward to that, man. Hell yeah. Awesome. Cool, well, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, Evan, it was such a pleasure, bro. And, um, you know, I'll post all your stuff. And for anybody that's in the music industry that wants to bend an ear, like you said, hit this guy up, man. Hit me up. Oh, I do have a text message text message service. If you just have a question about management or literally anything, yeah, text me at 773-365-9887. Rewind that back. <laughs> awesome, man. It was such a pleasure. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Yeah, bro. See ya. Thanks again. Bye. Absolutely. Peace.